Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. If you would like prayer for something or to talk about something, we'd love to hear from you. The number to call is 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand. That's three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Or you can also text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Again, that's seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. We want to just say welcome to all of you who have tuned in today, wherever you're tuning in from. We know that there are so many who tune in on Grace FM up and down the Front Range of Colorado and into Southern Wyoming. Welcome to the program. So glad you tuned in today. I also want to say hi to everyone who is tuning in on the East Coast on Hope FM on in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. We love getting calls from you guys. And we also want to say hi to everybody who is tuning in on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. We're glad you joined us today. We want to remind you, listening on the East Coast and in the area around Tennessee, that you are hearing the program on a one-week delay. So we would love for you to call in, and then you can tune in the following week on the on the radio waves, and you can listen to yourself on the radio and hear how strange your voice sounds uh, when you hear it on the radio. So just a reminder that you're hearing that on a one-week delay. But you here in the, the um, Colorado, Wyoming area, you're hearing the show live. Also a big hello to everyone who listens online. Uh, whether you listen on the Grace FM app, uh, which we encourage you to get. If you don't have that already, go. Uh, you can get that for iOS, Apple devices. You can get it for Android. And uh, we would love for you to go and download that from your app store just because it's a great way for you to be able to tune in and listen to the program wherever you're tuning in from. I have been getting messages from people as far away as Texas, Florida, people who tune in. Um, who tune in via the app uh, and they listen to this show and they listen to other programs on Grace FM. So it's a great app to get. Just go to your app store and search for Grace FM. And uh, also we want to say hi. Uh, yeah, we want to say hi to everybody who's tuning in just over the internet. So gracefm.com. If you are you know, working on a computer or at a computer all the time, you can just tune in your browser and listen to Grace FM. Again, the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Uh, just a few words about myself. I'm I'm your host here on Calvary Live every Monday, and I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a Calvary Chapel-affiliated church in Longmont, Colorado. We meet in downtown Longmont at the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is right on the corner of Long's Peak and Kaufman, for those of you who are familiar with Longmont. And we're just one block west of Main Street on Long's Peak Avenue. And so the address is 700 Long's Peak Avenue, downtown Longmont, right on the southeast corner of Roosevelt Park, right on the corner there of Long's Peak and Kaufman. 
And if you are in the Longmont area or any of the surrounding communities around here, we would love for you to come and visit us on a Sunday morning and worship with us. And you can find out uh, directions and all that good information, as well as listen to past messages, all that stuff, on our website, which is whitefieldschurch.com. Again, that's whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also hear our messages here on Grace FM every weekday at 2.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Let's go ahead and go to our call-in line. We've got Dan in Loveland, Colorado. Hi, Dan. Welcome to the program. Hi, how are you doing? Doing great. So I have a question I'd like to get your take on, okay. I believe it's in Matthew, after the resurrection, Jesus has been seen by more than 500 people. And I believe okay. he's talking with just the uh, the apostles. And it says that even then some doubted. And I'd like to get your take on what what's around that. What do you think that really means? Okay, so the passage you're referring to is actually found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And it's Paul the Apostle, and he's talking about why people should believe that the resurrection actually happened, that it's not um, you know, a myth. And the reason he's writing that is because the people he's writing to live in Corinth. Now, nobody who lived uh, immediately after Jesus' resurrection in the area around um, Israel, right, around Jerusalem, would have been unfamiliar with that. Everybody would have known about that. Even if they had doubts about it, uh, people would have been familiar with that event. But then, you know, the Corinthians, that's modern-day Greece. You know, it's quite a ways away. And news of the events about Jesus' life, who he was, and his resurrection hadn't spread that far. And so Paul's telling them, hey, there's this Jesus, and, you know, the there were these ancient scriptures that foretold that he would be the Messiah and the Savior of the world. And he came, he was crucified by the Romans and, uh, you know, in collusion with the, the Jewish authorities. And then um, he rose again on the third day. And you can imagine as somebody who, who wasn't immediately familiar with the story, you might have said, oh, come on. I mean, are you sure he was actually resurrected? You know, maybe maybe he just was resurrected in our hearts. You know, like, oh, well, he will live on forever in our in our minds. You know, that that's kind of how some of the Christians, especially outside of the area of Israel, began to think. And that actually is, unfortunately, how even some uh, more theologically liberal uh, groups think today. That, oh, Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead. He just lives on in our hearts. Well, no, actually, Paul makes this point expressly without any question in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And um, he says that the, the uh, resurrection is imperative for the gospel. It, it had to happen, otherwise our faith is in vain. If it didn't happen literally, then our faith is in vain. And it's right there where he gives those proofs. So that's in 1 Corinthians 15. I can read you a few of these verses. Here's what it says. He says, uh, starting in verse 3, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. And so, as to your question as to whether or not those people who saw him alive doubted that he had actually risen from the dead, I, I actually don't. 
I'm not familiar with any Bible passage that says that. Um, I am familiar with this passage, which is the one I believe you're referring to, where he says that there were 500 people who saw him alive, and many of them are still alive. In other words, what Paul's saying is, if you doubt the fact that Jesus actually rose from the dead, I can line up for you, you know, just about 500 eyewitnesses. And if you imagine a court case, you know, if you had 500 eyewitnesses that said that, you know, this particular person you know, robbed a Wendy's on a certain day, that person would definitely go to jail. Like that, that uh, court case would definitely succeed. It, the prosecution would succeed because if you have 500 eyewitnesses who all say the exact same thing, and not only that, they're not, they're not really benefiting from it. I mean, what benefit do these people have of saying that Jesus actually rose from the dead and that they saw it? They didn't uh, get prize money for this. They didn't get patted on the back. Many of them got persecuted for this. Their, their families and their children right. suffered for it. Right. So we have every reason to believe that what these people said was true. Hmm. So, okay. Does that an answer your question? Yeah, it does. Thank you very much. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for your call. All right. God bless you. Bye-bye. Right, You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Let's go to Chris in Denver, Colorado. Hello? Hey, Chris. Welcome to the program. Yeah, yeah here I am. Hi. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Did you have a question? Yeah. You know, I know that to the... Uh, scriptures are like deep water, you know, and uh, my question was, um, being that, you know, Jesus is the Word and all scriptures inspired by God, um, you know, in Revelation, I don't know if I was me, but it says, I am the first, I am the last, the beginning and the end. Mm -hmm. Could that also mean that, you know, being the first word in the Bible, less the beginning uh, and the end? Um, or, you know, I know that there's other meanings it could ha have, and what, 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 what do you know about that? Yeah, so Jesus uses this phrase. He says, I am the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, meaning the A to the Z uh, mm -hmm. in Greek. Yeah, I think this is... Um, I don't think there's any need to complicate it too much because I think really what he's he's expressing is that there is nothing before him and there is nothing after him. He right. is the right. eternal one. And that yeah. it's also speaking of his preeminence, that there is none who is greater. There's none who mm. preceded him. There's no he did not he was not created by anything. There will will never be anything that will, you know, go after him. He is right all of time. He is eternal and preeminent. Ah, awesome. Well, thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Appreciate it. Love talking about and, that uh, stuff. Yeah, could you, go for it. Could, could you pray for me as well? Uh, just, you know, to, um, but, uh, for, for wisdom, uh, more understanding and knowledge of, of the Word of God. Yeah, absolutely. Heavenly Father, we pray for Chris, and we pray for those who share his sentiment, who are listening on the airwaves right now, who just say, hey, I want to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And um, Lord, we know that you love that thought. 
because you say in your word, uh, you say that this is the essence of eternal life, to know you and to know Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And so what a noble sentiment that is to say, I want to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. We know that's a, a sentiment that, Lord, that you take great joy in hearing. So we know that we're praying according to your will. And so I pray for Chris. I pray for those who are also listening who just want to grow in the knowledge of your word and, and through it to know you personally. Lord, I pray that that would happen. I pray, Lord, that you'd send Chris into a good community where he can truly grow in the knowledge of your word. I pray that you would send people into his life who can function as a uh, people who build him up and help him to grow in the knowledge of you. And I pray that the knowledge that he gains, it wouldn't just be head knowledge, but Lord, it would be personal experiential knowledge of you as his God and as his Savior. And I pray that in Jesus' name. In Amen. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Awesome, Thank Chris. So hey, much. thanks so much. All right, God bless you. All right, bye-bye. God bless you too. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts on the air. We have two open lines right now. So the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Let's go to Andrew from Longmont, Colorado. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Pastor Nick. How are you today? I'm doing great. Welcome to the program. Thanks. Um, So I've been a Christian for a while, and I've been doing Bible study, and one area of Bible study I've always just really went away from is the prophecy books, whether it be Revelations or Daniel or Ezekiel and all that. And a lot of it's just because it goes way over my head, and I'm wondering if you have any sound advice on how to actually study those and actually get the wisdom out of them that they're trying to um, provide. Yeah, I'll give you a few things. Um, There are a few basic principles that you need to understand when it comes to studying prophecy. And um, and one of the things that a lot of people do is they'll just start reading the books and then they end up confused or they end up bummed out, you know, because they read like Nahum and it's all just about the destruction of, you know, some country they can't pronounce and stuff like that. And so people are just like, I don't know what to do with this. So they just skip over it. And in skipping over it, they miss a lot of really good stuff. So here are some some important principles. OK, number one is that you you need to understand them in their historical context. And secondly, you need to understand that they are not fully fulfilled. So there's this kind of dual fulfillment that takes place in some of them, where even if something was fulfilled, sometimes historically, it it is only fulfilled partially and will be fulfilled ultimately in the future. Okay, so that that's the one principle I would say to start with, is understand the historical context. Start always with that. And there's two principles that we actually want to use anytime we read the Bible. And I'll I'll tell you, you know, the kind of the technical terms, but I'll make sure I explain them so nobody feels like it's over their head. Uh, So the first one is we practice this thing called exegesis. And you can just think about what that means. Ex means bring out, right? And Jesus, it's the point of this is that you're trying to bring out the meaning of the text as it was intended by the writer, and in its, in, in its original context. So in other words, what did this mean to them? What did this mean to the guy who was writing it? That's the first thing you want to know. Okay. And then the, other, the next step is you're going to do hermeneutics, which means you're going to apply those principles to our life and our situations now. Right, so you say, well, okay, this is the situation. This is what this text to them. Now, 
what are the principles in that that speak to me today? So that's the one thing I would tell you about the prophetic books. Uh, another thing, so you're going to do exegesis, you're going to do hermeneutics, which means you're going to try and figure out what did it mean to them? What does it mean? What do those principles mean for me today? We're going to do that actually anytime we study any part of the Bible. But I think it's really, really important to understand the historical context of these books. And to do that, a lot of times you have to go outside of those books themselves. You have to go to some historical, some commentaries. Uh, a lot of times, you know, if you use a study Bible, they'll have some introduction to a book. Those are really, really important when it comes to reading the prophetic books. So, you know, prophets are... Um, there are, I believe, oh, I'm just going to shoot from the hip here, six to seven major prophets, and then I, I know there are 13 minor prophets. And so it's really important to understand what was the historical context that they were speaking into. Now, I see that you're calling from Longmont. I'm, I'm here in Longmont as well. And here at our church at Whitefields, we have an office right on the corner of Nelson and Ken Pratt. And we have a classroom here in our office, and we have started doing a school of ministry. And... We just recently did a school ministry class on the minor prophets. And I'll tell you, we had so many people signing up for it just because so many people feel the same way that you do. How do I make sense of the minor prophets or, or the major prophets for that matter? And w what we found is that one of the real keys to understanding them is understanding the historical context to which they speak and, uh, and understand that stuff. Now, the one last thing I'm going to say on this topic is this. How do we study these prophetic books in addition to that? You have to understand that the, the prophetic books are going to speak sometimes about things that have already been fulfilled. And, uh, and then they're also going to be speaking also about things that have not yet been fulfilled. And differentiating between those two is really important. And sometimes they even talk about things that are fulfilled partially, but will be fulfilled ultimately when Jesus comes back, when we have this kingdom when Jesus rules and reigns as king. And so those are some basic principles that I would give you. I'd recommend if you don't have a study Bible, then that you use some good commentaries to give you a big picture on that. And I can recommend a few for you. As far as study Bibles go, I think the, um, well, I'll, I'll just give you some commentaries. There's a really great, really readable commentary uh, called, and it's all online and it's free. And it's called Enduring Word. So EnduringWord.com will uh, okay. be a great resource for you, especially in reading those books. And um, I have a few other resources. If you give your email address to the producer after, after we get off the air here, uh, I can send you a few more books. But generally, this is my, my advice. Get some just basic understanding of the historical context of what's happening in order to really understand that. And then you can kind of get into the specific prophecies themselves. Were they fulfilled? When were they fulfilled? Which ones were fulfilled only partially and which ones have not yet been fulfilled? Awesome. Thank you so much, Pastor Nick. Yeah, my pleasure. God bless you. All right, God bless. Bye -bye. All right, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. In Longmont, Colorado, I'm taking your calls and texts here live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Let's go to Tina in Loveland, Colorado. Hey, Tina. 
Hi, Pastor Nick. How are you today? Doing great. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, me and my husband are separated, and it's a mutual, well, it's a, kind of a mutual thing. We're both having a lot of problems, and I would really like a prayer to save our marriage. I know yeah. that God wants a marriage to be a lifelong thing, and that's what I would I want. I didn't marry my husband to get a divorce, mm -hmm. so I would really appreciate a prayer to help us get back together. Yeah, absolutely. Let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, we pray for Tina, and we pray for others who are facing similar situations, Lord. Um, I, I appreciate Tina's desire, Lord, that she wants to honor you by by having her marriage succeed and, and be healthy. And so, Lord, I pray for her and her husband as they're separated. Lord, I pray that they would in this time, be turning their hearts to you. I pray that where there's need for forgiveness, that forgiveness would take place, where there's need for grace, that there would be grace towards each other. Lord, I pray that both of them would be committed to restoration. And Lord, I, I do believe that in you, uh, restoration is possible. Uh, and so, Lord, I pray for that to happen. Lord, your word says, uh, let marriage be held in high regard by all people. And I appreciate that in Tina, that, that she holds it in high regard. I pray that her husband would as well. And Lord, we just pray that you would intervene and that even this time that they're in right now would be a time that they look back on later and they say, that was a time of crisis, but through it, we drew closer to God and he saved our marriage and he did a great work in our life. So Lord, we pray that you would do a great uh, work in their lives and that you would bless them. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. you Thank you. All right. God bless you. We God look forward you. to hearing the we look forward to hearing the report that you guys are doing better and that you're drawn closer to the Lord, okay? I will let you know. Thank you so awesome. much. Okay. God bless you. Bye bye. God bless you. Bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts. On the air, the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Uh, we have three open lines, or two open lines right now. I've got uh, Kim uh, calling from somewhere here in Colorado. Hi, Kim. Are you there? Kim, welcome to the program. Yeah. Hey, thanks. Hey, did you have a hey. hi did hi. you have a oh hey i can hear your radio on the background do you mind turning that off for me yeah okay cool kim okay got it you have a question yes i do all righty okay the question is uh when do you feel satan or lucifer took the fall from his angelic place um okay. to uh, the, uh what a quarter of the angels fell at one point was mm -hmm. it uh before adam or before Eve, you have a thought. Yes, I do have a thought. Here's the here's the answer I'll give you. Uh, Job chapter thirty eight tells us okay. this that the angels were created before the earth was created. Okay, so okay. I it's actually just a beautiful passage in Job. Um, it's when God is speaking to Job and kind of you know. God allows this conversation to go on between Job and his friends. They're trying to find out, okay, why did this happen to Job, the things that happened to him? And then God finally speaks up in thirty-eight, in chapter 38 and speaks to Job. And uh, here's what he says to him in uh, Job chapter 38, starting in verse 4. He says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, 
if you have understanding, God's kind of, you know, saying to him, hey, yeah. hey, you think you got it all figured out? Well, hey, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? If, if you know something yeah. I don't, please instruct me. And he says, okay. uh, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Uh, he's being facetious. He says, or, or who stretched the line on it? And then here's, um, here's the place that I think is just a beautiful passage. Oh, okay. sorry, I lost it. Okay, here it is. He goes, uh, on what were its bases sunk or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And um, so what that's describing is the creation of the angels before the foundation of the earth. Right, so you're saying, okay, so so they were created before the earth. When did Lucifer and the court of the angels take the fall? Was it after Adam and Eve, before, or in between Adam but, and Eve? Okay, so definitely before Adam and Eve. Okay. So I don't know uh, when <laughs> it took place exactly, but I can give you some book bookends on this, okay? So it happened before the creation of the earth and before okay. the creation of Adam and Eve. Okay, perfect. Yeah. All right, so uh, that answers my question. I was I thought maybe it happened between Adam and Eve because just because of when uh, God told Adam um, it, and Adam told Eve, mm-hmm. um, but somehow he didn't mention to Eve Lucifer. So I guess he didn't. I'm just thinking he didn't know about him. Maybe you who know? didn't know about God didn't know about him. No, 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 no. Not oh, that that. Uh, um, Eve Adam? didn't know. Oh, Adam okay. may have. I don't think even maybe Adam. So I'm wondering if maybe, because uh, uh, I think Adam told Eve, right, about uh, not to eat from any of the... Uh, Correct. She could eat from all the trees except for one. But she didn't mention that there was a, a loose snake around there trying to deceive you. Yeah, so well, I, I mean, and, and some of that is argument from silence, meaning that we don't know all of the conversations that God had with Adam or God had with Eve. We don't know everything that went on. Just like kind of like how uh, when we place this on a timeline, the best we can do if we speak biblically, because our goal is to not really speak where the Bible doesn't speak, Amen. is to say, um, well, here are the bookends that we can know. Before the creation of the earth was when he created the angels. The fall must have taken place sometime before, um, before he uh, tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. Right. And let me ask you this. Um, the other thing that kind of puzzled me about that was when cause, uh, Eve ate first, and then Adam did. But she did not. She, they didn't notice their nakedness until she ate. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure why exactly it's posed that way. Um, and clearly, that's you know, why I thought maybe something happened in between there because, uh, uh, but anyway, thank you for taking okay. my call. Yeah, you bet. God bless you. Thanks for calling in. Bye bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We're coming up on our break. We have all open lines right now, so if you want to call in, we'll get you in on the other side of the break. So now's a good time to call. The number is 303. 303- Six nine zero three thousand. That's three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. That's seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. I'll just tell you a few things that are going on at our church that I'm excited about as we come up to our break. Um, we are doing a series right now called "The Trouble Is," and it's, uh, we're taking six weeks to look at some of the big 
questions, the p things that people said, we did a poll and we, we looked at other polls uh, on this topic and we, we've kind of narrowed it down to six big things that people say are the biggest hurdles for them in embracing Christianity and putting their faith in Jesus. So we started out with talking about the Bible. Has the Bible uh, changed? Has it been altered? Is it really trustworthy? And who would want to live their life off of a, a thousands-year-old book anyway? Uh, then we talked last week about hypocrisy. Uh, and interestingly, in our in our survey, we found that hypocrisy was the number one response that people gave. 76% of people in our poll said that that's the one thing that keeps them from putting their faith in Jesus. This past Sunday, we talked about science. Does science disprove God in the Bible? So if maybe there's some of you listening out there who would love to talk about that subject. I'm, I'm full of, uh, you know, I've just all studied up on it because I just preached on it yesterday. And uh, then this coming Sunday, we're talking about the Christ myth. So if any of that is of interest to you, I invite you to go and check out our website, whitefieldschurch.com. Or if you're in the local area, do come and visit us at Whitefields Community Church. You can find our, our address and all that good stuff on whitefieldschurch.com. We're going to be back in two minutes' time with more of your questions and texts. You're listening to Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church here with you taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. 690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's get back to the call-in line. We've got Matt from Greeley, Colorado. Hey, Matt, welcome to the program. Hey, I've uh, got a question for you. So in Matthew 3, it talks about um, Jesus getting baptized, and it talks about the Spirit of God descending upon him like a dove. Then later on in Matthew, uh, when Jesus dies, it says Jesus gave up the Spirit. So I guess my question kind of is, um, is the Spirit what got, what gave Jesus his ability to cure people and things like that, or was is that just something different? Yeah, so I do believe that it is what did that, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. I, I think there are three passages that I want to talk to you about. And uh, I think we can hit them all pretty quickly. Okay, so Matthew chapter 3, the Spirit descending upon Jesus. What was the purpose of that, first of all? Secondly, um, when it says that Jesus gave up his Spirit, I'll, I'll address that one real quick first because I think that's the easiest one to knock out. Is that I, That's really just a euphemism. It's a way of speaking. It doesn't mean that the same Spirit who descended on him then left him. It's just a, it's a, that is a way of saying like he we would say in English that he gave up the ghost. In other words, he's saying that he truly died. Okay. Okay. So um, now as to your other question, why did the Holy Spirit descend on Jesus? I think that as the anointed one, it was very important. So the word Messiah or Christ, you know, Christ being Greek, Messiah, Hebrew, they both being the same thing, which means anointed one. And the idea was that there was this one who was anointed with the spirit of God and uh, you know, called and empowered. And all of the anointing that took place, like in the Old Testament, right? So they would anoint priests, prophets, and kings. 
and Jesus fulfills all three of those roles. So all of those things, Jesus is the culmination of this. Everything before it has been pointing to him as the one who will be anointed and called by God and empowered by God to do a specific job, which is the salvation of the world. And so when he is baptized, we see uh, that all three persons of the Trinity, they're at the same time, right? So the Father speaks from heaven, says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. We see Jesus, he's down there in the water being baptized in human flesh. And then we see the Holy Spirit descending as a dove. This is just the triune God, you know, showing up and making sure that everybody understands what's going on. This is the ultimate stamp of approval and the, and mm-hmm. the, the, the proof that Jesus is indeed the anointed one, the Spirit descending on him in the form of a dove. So then to your other question, did Jesus do the things that he did by the power of the Holy Spirit? And I, I think that is a great observation you've made, and it's, I believe it's absolutely correct. I think that to answer that question, though, I would take you over to Philippians chapter 2, and I would point you to the very first part of chapter 2, and here's what it says. Um, I'll start in verse 4. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, and have this mind in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, verse 6, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, and there's the key, by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. What this is implying is that Jesus uh, didn't cease to be God, but he gave up, I guess what we would call them is his divine privileges. He gave up many of his divine privileges as he was here on earth. Um, And he did that for several reasons. One of them was so that he could experience everything that we experience. Hebrews tells us that we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with us in our weakness because he himself has been tempted in all things, or tested is another word that word tempted can be translated. So he knows what it's like to walk in our shoes. He knows what it's like to to experience the things that we experience. And you can go down the line. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to be stabbed in the back. He knows what it's like to lose the ones he loves. All of the things that we deal with in this life, he's been there and he can relate the other part of this though is that he emptied himself his divine attributes which means that when you see jesus doing things in the new testament you know it's really easy to just say oh well of course he could do that but i could never do that because he's god and i'm not well it is true that he's god and you're not but the key is that jesus laid down many of his divine privileges and as a result of that um Jesus was able to, uh, the things that he did, he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. And and it says there in Ephesians chapter 1, one of the most incredible verses in the Bible, if you really think it through, Ephesians 1.19, it says that uh, the same Spirit which raised Jesus from the dead is the Spirit of God that is a work and alive in us. And so I think that's, that's really interesting. So when we read about Jesus casting out demons, when we read about Jesus having special knowledge. These were things which he had because of the Holy Spirit at work in him, as you're saying. And what's really exciting about that is that the same Holy Spirit has now been given to us. Jesus said that in John chapter 20. It says that he breathed on his disciples and said, uh, I received the Holy Spirit. So he 
imparted that to them. And the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is at work in us who are believers, mm-hmm. which is really, really cool. So I guess my, my follow to that then is if, you know, because it also talks about how people cast out, you know, demons in Jesus' name, um, but also weren't accepted into heaven. So if that gave Jesus the power to do those things, what gave the other people the power to do those things? Um, and then if, they, if it was the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> were they not truly saved at that point? Okay, so say that say that one more time. I had trouble following your line of thought there. So, so later on it talks about how people, um, you know, it says uh, how you know we cast out demons in your name and did all these all these right, things in right, your name, okay. but still they weren't they weren't accepted into heaven. Ah, uh, yeah. If this that is a was good the question. case, what gave them the power to cast out demons and do those things? Yep, great question, and that gets to the the relationships that the Holy Spirit has with us, uh, and. Um, you know, Chuck Smith wrote a really great book on this. It's really easy to read and really understandable. It's called Living Water. I'd recommend that for you. But let me sum it up for you real quick. If you got time, let's go on a little journey. Uh, John chapter 14 and chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible in front of you now, just remember those chapters. Go read them later. John 14 and 16. The setting is the Last Supper. Jesus is at the Last Supper with his disciples. And he has this long discourse where he talks right from, we see this from like chapter 13 all the way up to chapter 17. Chapter 17 is where he prays over his disciples, which is awesome. But in chapters 14 and 16 and in between, he takes a break and he talks about the fruit of the spirit. But in chapter 14 and 16, he talks about the, the identity of the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit will do. And what he says there, he's, he says, you know, I'm going away. It's actually for your benefit that I'm going away. As hard as that is for them to believe, he says, I know you don't understand how this could possibly be, but it's actually going to be for your benefit if I go away. Because if I go away, I will send the Spirit, the Helper, the Paraclete, the Helper, and He will help you. He will lead you into all truth. He will remind you of the things that I said. And here's what he says. You know Him because He has been with you. And check this out. He says, and soon He will be in you. Okay, so there's two relationships right there. With you, he has been with you up until this point, and mm-hmm. he, he will be in you, meaning that has not yet happened. And, and so there's two relationships, and then there's actually a third which we can trace through the entire Bible from the Old Testament. And so there, these three relationships correspond with three Greek words, and, and in, we can just say three English words as well, but these three Greek words are consistently found throughout the Bible too. So here are the three relationships and they're outlined there in part. The, the first two are outlined there in John chapter 14 and 16 and the third one uh, comes a little bit later on. I'll explain that in a second. Okay, so the first two are with and then in. So the Holy Spirit is with all people and it says there in, uh, I can't remember if it's chapter 16 or chapter 14, but he says this, that the Spirit's job is that he convicts of sin righteousness and judgment so the holy spirit is with all people convicting them of sin righteousness and judgment in other words the holy spirit is in the world uh drawing people to jesus by convincing them and convicting them of the fact that they are sinners that god is just that they're that and and that there will come a, a judgment and that they need to repent and they need a savior 
And so he's drawing all people to Jesus. So this is people who don't believe, people in you know far-reaching parts of the world who have never heard about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is with them, drawing them to Jesus and doing that work in their hearts, whispering in their ear, basically, so to say, that they need a Savior. The second relationship, so that's the with, and that's everybody has that relationship with the Holy Spirit. The second relationship is in, because he says the Holy Spirit has been with you, and he will be in you. And then a few chapters later, after Jesus has died and then resurrected, that's when Jesus meets with his disciples, and he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And we read about this like in, in Ephesians chapter 1, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, where we read about the Holy Spirit as a seal. So the Holy Spirit comes into you be, once uh, you have put your faith in Jesus. So every person who has put their faith in Jesus has the Holy Spirit within them. Romans chapter 8 says that if you don't have the Spirit of God in you, you do not belong to Christ. And so uh, every believer has the Holy Spirit in them. And the job of the Holy Spirit in you, we read, uh, so here are some things. He um, sanctifies you. In other words, he's working in you to transform you, make you into the image of, of Jesus, make you more like Jesus. Uh, another one is that he's directing you. The Holy Spirit is within you to direct you and to do all those things that he said, remind you of the words of Jesus, give you the mind of Christ, and like in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And then, then there's a third relationship. So, so that I just want to make that point real clear, clearly. Not everybody has the Holy Spirit within them. Mm-hmm. Right, so some sometimes you hear people say stuff like, "Hey, God's inside of all of us." Well, the Bible doesn't actually teach that. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is in those who have put their faith in Jesus and been born again, but He is in all those who have put their faith in Jesus and been born again. Okay, then the third relationship, and this is the one that we see throughout the Old Testament, and and then it, this applies to your question of what about the people who cast out demons in Jesus' name? How did they do that? Okay, so the This is called the upon relationship. It's the Greek word epi, which means upon. And you see this like in Acts chapter 2, verse 8, right? That the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And so we see that this is a distinct relationship from the within relationship. Because, you know, they already have now the Holy Spirit in them since Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit as a seal, like Ephesians chapter 1 talks about. It's a promise, the down payment that you belong to God and that he's not going to give up on you. He'll see you through. And then he says, after that happens, Jesus says, and then there's going to be one more thing that happens to you with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you for what purpose? To enable you, to empower you, to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And Mm -hmm. that idea of the Holy Spirit coming upon is something that's found in the Old Testament as well. And and we always read it in relation to the Holy Spirit coming upon somebody to enable them or empower them to carry out a certain purpose or task or job that God has given them or a calling that God has given them with the power of God. So, for example, we see that, um, you know, the, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Saul. The Spirit of the Lord came upon uh, Samson. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. It, throughout the book of Judges, this phrase is used a lot. It's also found in First and Second Samuel and in other places in the Old Testament where it says that the Holy Spirit came upon somebody to enable them to carry out the calling that God had given them for their life. Okay. So, and, and here's how I would phrase that. So with God is, uh, the Holy Spirit is with all people. He is in those who are believers and he is upon some of both of those groups. So there are times okay. even when the Holy Spirit comes upon people who are not born again, 
which is an interesting phenomenon. But it happens in the okay. Bible. Excellent. Well, thank you. That was a very awesome answer. Oh, I'm so glad. God bless you. Thanks for calling in. Have a good one. All right. You too. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. We have Rita in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Rita. Welcome to the program. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Good. I have a question about archangels. I know there's Gabriel and Michael. Aren't they? And I know there's ministering angels. I know, you know, there's different kinds of angels. But what is an archangel? So the only um, thing that I can tell you on this is is what I know from the Bible, and that is that there appear to be different classes of angels, meaning there seems to be some sort of hierarchy, that there are different levels. And right. it seems that this is the case not only with angels, but also with demons. Okay. And so it would seem that archangel is a class of angel. Um, and it, it, obviously the chief, you know, that's the idea of the arc, meaning the highest level uh, or the okay. chief. That's what archangel literally means uh, chief or arc means chief. So Okay. And so um, so they would be like, Michael is kind of a warrior angel, I'm thinking, and then Gabriel is um, a messenger? Or uh... Well, let's clarify this, too. The word angel, angelos in Greek, literally means messenger. And so okay. um, that's all it means. So if you were reading Greek it, and you, you were to translate that word, literally what you would read is that God sent a messenger and that... Uh, and that, for example, Michael is the chief messenger. And so clearly we can know things from the Bible about like different properties that these messengers or angels had. But I think that is a really important thing to keep in mind, that the word angel means messenger, and they are okay. uh, messengers of God. Now, I don't know, sometimes, yeah, they, they do uh, seem to be, you know, warriors like for example we read about in jude this uh example of um the archangel michael having a dispute with the devil right so that's one example um we read about uh first thessalonians says that uh, when jesus the lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry and a command with the voice of an archangel and the sound of a trumpet uh-huh. and so anyway I, I do think that is kind of important because that the meaning of the word Angel, I think, can get lost in translation, and it okay. just means messenger, and ark means chief. And yeah, okay. Michael is the one we see a lot in the Bible, uh, carrying out being kind of the chief messenger for the Lord, and, and sometimes also, you know, it says like in Jude, in a dispute with the devil. So. And then the guy, uh, the guy, the angel that delivered the message to Mary, and, you know, uh, wasn't that Gabriel? Yeah. And so there's, as far as I know, there's only two archangels. Well, and, you know, there might be other ones that we just don't know oh. about. That's kind of oh. like what, what I was saying to a previous caller. You know, there's only, we're only, we only know what we are told. And so right. there might be things that we have not been told. And, um, and if we haven't been told them, then we should conclude that apparently we did not need to know that. And we'll okay. find out when we get there. I'm sure there will be yeah. a lot of things we'll find out when we get there. <laughs> it, it, it'll be exciting. Absolutely. See the Lord and see everything and, and find out a lot. 
And I'm, that's it, you know, and also having your mind 100% on God and uh, no flesh to deal with, that's going to be so nice. <laughs> Absolutely. But anyway, God bless you and you have a good day. You too. God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. While I've got you here, let me uh, speak to you, just tell you another cool thing going on this weekend. We are having uh, a guest musician at our church. Uh, it's a band and a musician, kind of well-known. So this guy, his name is Gary Ray. He's a native of South Africa, but he has some connections up here in northern Colorado. And so... Uh, our worship leader here at Whitefields, Mike Payne, he is friends with him, and he got uh, Gary to come. So Gary is coming to Whitefields this coming Sunday. His name's Gary Ray. He sang some some awesome songs. You can check him out on YouTube. His his name is Gary G A R Y Ray R E A. That's how it's spelled R E A. And he's written some songs like uh, Heaven Is Here Now is kind of his most famous song. He's going to be here with a band called Holy Mountain. And they are based out of Windsor, Colorado. And just uh, so anyway, it's a great opportunity for those of you who are in the area. If you are looking for a place to worship this Sunday or, you know, Gary Ray, you're familiar with his music and ministry. We'd love to have you come and join us at Whitefields. That's this Sunday at 10 a.m. in downtown Longmont, 700 Longspeak Avenue. And you can find all the information you need at whitefieldschurch.com. It's whitefieldschurch.com. And, uh, and this Sunday, we're going to be talking about this thing called the Christ myth, which is the idea that uh, all of the uh, things about Jesus, like the virgin birth, the resurrection, those kind of things, there's this theory that's very popular and, and even is even talked about as if it's true. And that's the idea that, you know, all this stuff in Christianity was really just borrowed from ancient myths. If you've seen the Zeitgeist movie or you've heard about like, oh, well, you know, there's also a guy in this mythology named Horus who was born on December 25th and he was born of a virgin and he resurrected and he had 12 disciples. And people would say, oh, look, well, that story predated Jesus. So clearly Jesus just uh, is, you know, a rehashing or a recycling of that material. Is that true? And of course it's not. And I'm going to talk about why it's not and, and how that is. Another really popular one nowadays is you might've seen there was the um, um, meme going around on Facebook that was talking about how, you know, Easter is really from Ishtar and that's Easter eggs. You know, those are a symbol of Ishtar and this is all just a, a pagan thing about reproduction and all of these things. And, and by the way, that's completely false. And, um, I'm going to be talking about that kind of stuff this Sunday at Whitefields. So if that's the topic that interests you and you're in the local area, come visit us at Whitefields. If you're not able to make it out, it'll be on our website and our podcast at whitefieldschurch.com. We'd love for you to check that out sometime. Let's go to our text line as we have, we still have open lines and we could probably get one more caller in if there's anybody out there who'd like to call. The number is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. And let's go over to our text line and answer a few text questions. We have one person who wrote in and said, can you explain to me what Paul meant when writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 14 about unbelieving spouses being sanctified by the believing spouse and that the believing spouse makes their children holy. 
Uh, yes, let's talk about that. Let me read you the text first. And this is a really confusing passage for a lot of people. Some people have taken this verse to mean something that it doesn't mean. What they've, what they've taken it to mean is that what this is saying is that, hey, if your spouse is a believer or if maybe you are the believing spouse and your spouse is not a believer, that by the fact that you're a Christian, they get kind of a two-for-one deal and they get kind of rolled into the thing and they get saved whether or not they believe or have put their faith in Jesus or been born again or any of that stuff and that your kids automatically get rolled in too. That's really not what it's saying. So let me just read you the text. Uh, he's talking about people who have become Christians and their spouses are not believers. And here's what he says. To the rest, I say that if a brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If a, any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. Right, because earlier, right before this, he said, hey, if, if your spouse wants to leave you or divorces you because you are a Christian, then, then um, you know, you let them go because they're, they're wanting to divorce you. But here's what he says. But if they want to stay together, don't divorce them. In other words, like if you're a Christian, your spouse isn't, uh, don't think that you should divorce them just because of that. Uh, if you're already married and, and you become a Christian or if or if you weren't a Christian and then you do get married. Okay, and, and this is really the key verse, verse 14. He says, For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. That's the key phrase. Um, but as it is, they are holy. Okay, what is he saying? Let me uh, explain this to you really quickly. It's actually quite a simple explanation, but it can be confusing because of the wording of that text and, and the language he's using. So according to this, what he's really talking about, again, is if you have an unbelieving spouse and you're in a family, should you divorce your spouse? And he's saying no, and somebody he's presuming somebody would come back and say, well, isn't that marriage then defiled by the person who is not a Christian and therefore, you know, you are unequally yoked? Therefore, that marriage is unholy. It's, un, it's defiled. And what he's saying is, no, it's not defiled. The person who is a Christian uh, makes it not defiled. And the children are therefore not to be treated as illegitimate or defiled or unholy children. The believing spouse in the relationship, God uh, treats that marriage and that relationship as a sanctified thing, meaning a, a good, pure thing that is pleasing to him. And so this isn't speaking about salvation. This is just speaking about the legitimacy of a marriage and, and how God views that marriage. So I hope that answers your question. You're listening to Calvary Live. I think we have time for one more caller. We've got four minutes left in the show. So let's go to Bernadine in Wheat Ridge, Colorado. Hi, Bernadine. Hi, brother. God bless you. Um, yeah, I had a question. I mean, I had um, my brother just passed away mm -hmm. recently. And he loved the Lord, and I believe he made it to be with the Lord. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm out of breath. I was trying That's to hurry okay. and get in. No worries. I'm sorry. But um, my question is, is that when we get to heaven, because um, because of a brain injury that I have, I can't recall some things anymore. The mm -hmm. Holy Spirit brings things to my remembrance when I need to, but mm -hmm. I can't remember. Um are we going to know each other? Are we going to see him? And I mean, will yeah. I see him? Will he know me? Yes. 
So that's that's a quick answer to you. Yes, you will. Uh, I I believe you will see him, and I believe you will know him. I'll give you a quick. Uh, we got three minutes left, but I can give you some quick examples of that. So, for example, um, we have an example in First Samuel chapter twenty-eight where King Saul recognized Samuel after Samuel had died. Uh, and another one is David talks about how his infant son died, and he says, he will not return to me, but I will, I will go to him. And, uh, for example, we also see, like in Luke chapter 16, Abraham, Lazarus, and the rich man are all in Sheol, which is the dwelling place of the dead. Uh, it's divided into two parts, or it was, where the Abraham's bosom was for the faithful, when they died and those who had mm -hmm. faith and uh, Hades was the place of punishment. But it says there that those people recognized each other and who they were. Um, you know, another example is that the, on the Mount of Transfiguration, you know, we see these people come back, uh, Moses and Elijah, and they're recognizable. And so my answer to you is yes. And so the Bible does say that we will not marry or be given in marriage in, uh, in heaven, in eternity. But I do mm -hmm. believe that we will see each other and that we will recognize each other and that there will be highly relational actually. Um, and as far as your brain injury goes, I, I assume that you know this, but I just want to encourage you in this, that that will be healed ultimately and fully in eternity in heaven in, in Jesus. And so, um, and you, you will not struggle with those same things in memory and recognition in uh, the new heavens and the new earth when you receive that new heavenly body and all things are made new. Yeah, it's just really difficult because to know he's here and then all of a sudden he just turned to dust because they cremated him and we didn't even get to see him. Mm. They wouldn't let him let us see him, be, mm. you know, um, at the morgue or anything. And they just cremated him without us being able to see him. So I'm like, well, he's gone. Do take comfort in knowing this, that, that if your faith is in Jesus, you have the hope that you will indeed see him once more. Okay, let, let, let me uh, pray for you, and, and then we're going to end our show. So, Heavenly Father, I pray for Bernadine, and I pray for others who have lost loved ones and are struggling with missing them. And Lord, we know that we, we mourn not as people who have no hope, but we do mourn because we miss our loved ones. And so, Lord, I pray for Bernadine. I pray for others who miss their loved ones. And I pray that we would hope in you. And in you, we have the promise of eternal life and the hope of being together again. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont. I'll be with you again next week, Monday. God bless. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.